What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> it would be speed best if we just didn't say the name. He knows his buddies will be pissed at him. That's why. Yeah. Out of respect for the other people that are hunting it. All right. And myself. Let's go ahead. Let's just go ahead and get it started. And I'll tell you what I got going on. But first of all, I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast. Today I got Scott Kroom. Say something, Scott. Hello. No, you got to say more than that because I've gotten in trouble. Brooke says I need to let people introduce themselves more. So you've got to give me some, some kind of a more more than that. Okay, well, I'm uh, Scott Kroom. I'm here to talk uh, deer hunting, I guess. Oh, I knew, see, I, I knew that this was going to be throwing people under the bus when Brooks told me to start doing it, so I'm just going to keep going like I have been. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And then we got Rachel Kroom. Scott. Hi, Rachel Kroom. Been on several times. Yep, Call. I'm Scott's wife. I've been on here a couple times um, with the Fish and Wildlife Foundation, but a deer hunter, um, not a, a good one, but a, <laughs> You're a good one. You're a good one. All right. So. so now that that's out of the way, I'll tell you what I got here. I have... A list of topics and questions. Okay? And this is just... Some yes, st- and we know how. Yeah, I've got them on... Do, so you, do you want to know? List? Yes, we were laying in bed last night, and I see Chase's post, and I see all the stuff below it, and I was... We were crying. We were laughing so hard. Oh, God. There's definitely some baited questions in there from <laughs> some buddies. Roger and LaPointe. And you're right, people. yeah. I see it's the Roger questions, and for people that are listening, I just put something out on the Kentucky Whitetail Hunters Facebook page, and I said, basically, I'm having a podcast tomorrow. i got a married couple coming on. They're both avid deer hunters, and I need some topics that'll get them going. And uh, some people took exception to that. They were like, why do you want people to argue? That's just wrong. But I think that's, you know, it's just debate. It's not an argument. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's something, if you, if you do something for long enough and you're you're passionate enough about it, you kind of form opinions. Oh, you, yeah. You can't help but not have be be picky about how you go about things. So I could get in literally fistfights with some of my best friends <laughs> over deer hunting stuff, and they're still going to be my best friends, you know? Sure. You yeah, just, Scott and I don't fist fight usually. That'd be good. <laughs> yeah, probably, but, uh, probably good for Scott, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, so uh, so yeah, some of those, uh, you saw where I got some of those questions, and some of them are just things I wrote down too. And some of the questions I thought were good, some of them I didn't, but yeah. we might just run through it if you guys agree on it. I mean, my, I might disagree with you or something like sure. that. Sure. But uh, you got your trophy deer hunt flyer sitting in front of you too. Yeah, I wanted to plug this really quick, that, if that's all right. That is open, right? The, it is. It is open. It's open until... Um, we're actually doing the, the drawing for it on the 20th, so a week from tomorrow. So you can purchase tickets. Um, they're 25 for one, 100, or six for 100, or 15 for 250. It's a package. Uh, the winner will get a bonus buck tag for Kentucky, a hunt and stay at Shaker Village, a rifle, a mount by Gunner's Taxidermy. It's a really good, yeah. good, good prize package, and uh, all the proceeds benefit our conservation camps here in the state and uh, habitat improvement at Shaker Village. Brooks and I did. Um, we went out and filmed some deer out there, and there were some really nice deer. We also did a shed show, so I was who, there. whoever wins this is going to... I was there for the shed show. Yeah. Oh, I know there's a good deer out there. I mean, yeah. it's 3,000 acres of private land that's managed uh, for habitat for deer and all, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. They do do some controlled hunting during gun season. They take a few does just yes. to keep the population at a good level. But this is a chance for somebody to get to go out there and buck hunt. And I'll tell you what, since I tagged out early this year, I really want that. <laughs> well, <laughs> really. I'm just putting this out here. I would prefer Chase not to win it. I would prefer <laughs> anyone I know not to win it. Yeah. Um, but we're, we do the drawing live on Facebook, at, and it's at Kentucky Gun Company next Saturday. 
Uh, I just have a kid pull a ticket. I don't care who wins. I want it to be someone that's grateful and thankful. Yeah. But other than that. Uh, I mean, anybody should be excited to win that. Yeah, it's awesome. I would be super pumped, but I can't win it. Is there another way in this? Because, I mean, that's a bonus buck tag. It's awesome. You get to take two bucks in the state mm -hmm. of Kentucky. Is there another place right now that you can go take two bucks other than winning this drawing? Uh, your only other option would be, like, one of the Army or military bases. So, so Fort Knox or, I, I guess, uh, Fort Campbell does one, too. Are, are there other commission buck tags that are yeah know. so there's some other ones that are available but i'm pretty sure most of the other nonprofits that uh receive those just sell them outright um we're probably the only one that, that raffles that, it that that does like a raffle slap slash sweepstakes and we do that so everybody can have a chance and um just kind of grow our list of hunters that want to support conservation programs oh, in that's the good it's good so. i like it I like it. Yeah, well, so I, you don't want me to win. Okay. Yeah, KentuckyWildlife.com, and uh, you can go there and get tickets, and we hope it's not Chase. That's one thing. Well, I guess I, I don't know. I mean, I want to put in, and I want to support the foundation at the same time, but I don't want to make you mad by winning, because I'd be ecstatic. <laughs> yeah. Well, we want whoever to win to be ecstatic. I just don't want to know them. All right. So, we got that. Uh, you said KentuckyWildlife.com. Yes. So, I'd enter 25 bucks for one. What was the prices on that? Uh, 100 for six tickets or 15 for 250 With the 15-ticket package, you get a year subscription to Onyx Maps. They're one of our sponsors They're, That's year. 100 bucks as is. That, yeah. So, that's a good deal. Yeah, that's a really good deal. It's their elite membership. So, if you're thinking about getting Onyx, you have just buy this, and then you're spending mm -hmm. 150 bucks on all the tickets. And, the, and then uh, the print this year for the 15-ticket package is the Late Nest, and that's a bluegill print that Rick Hill did. It's beautiful. So Yeah, Rick Hill's a good artist. He does all our stuff Incredible. up here. Yeah. All right, let's run into some of this stuff now. I want to get you guys talking. So are there anything in general that you guys just disagree with about as far as hunting goes? Uh, who's louder in a tree stand? Well, that's, yeah. Well, you know, I've got an opinion on that too. Because I feel like every time I walk into the woods with somebody, they're always louder. And they always tell me I'm louder. I think you hear the other person's noise more than you yeah, hear. I think, I think it's because your, your sound is coming from directly below yeah. you. So I feel like you just hear the other people a little bit more than you hear yourself. Yeah. But I mean, somebody's louder. Somebody's got to be louder. Yeah, it's Scott. <laughs> Scott Price says we special. But. Yeah, we don't we don't do the the buddy hunt often enough to to really get to the bottom of it. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I it's funny enough that we bring this up. We were talking to some of our friends last night, and I said I would like to film Scott's hunts. Oh, like, really? Because this is a question that was asked. Yeah. So you just brought this up last night, and somehow. Somebody already knew to ask that yes. question. Yes. Yeah, I think it was kind of pointed. Uh -huh. Yeah, he was starting stuff, but that's okay. Um, but he he doesn't want me in a tree stand with him. It's not as used to anybody. <laughs> Absolutely you know, not. Me. <laughs> uh, you know, for me, it's not a team sport. It's just something that's it's my solo thing. It's not, I mean, my best friends that, you know, Rachel and, and other good, good bow hunting friends, we don't hunt together. Yeah. Well, she said you guys hunt together one time a year. Yeah, we usually do one. One set a year. One or so. Um, not like uh, your mentality on it. It's, it's a solo sport. It's sure. not a, It's not a team. But that's not all true because everything else we do is it is a team around deer hunting. So, like, scouting. Like, we go out, we shed hunt together, we walk, we scout together. Uh, if one of us is successful, we're blood trailing sure. and, you yeah. know, oh, dragging deer out together. So. I see what he's saying. That, like, every, yeah, like everything else we do, it's both of us yeah. helping each other out. Typically, that makes but. perfect sense. But so, it's like, I got a question for you. Say you go out to a brand new property, you just got permission to hunt. Both of you got permission to hunt, right? Okay. You're driving back, and right there in the perfect spot to hunt, huge buck, right? Yeah. Who gets that set? 
I think we just talk about it. Yeah, it would depend on the situation. Who who has a tag? What time of year? I know. I know Rachel's generally not very fond of early season. Say it's yeah. Say it's August. You're driving back to this well, brand new property you just got, and there's this big buck standing there, and you're getting well. Somebody's going to hunt that that area. Well, I mean, for example, we we got access to a new property this year, and there was a good deer on it, and Scott hunted him. Um, and that was just because, I mean, I think if I would have said, oh, I want to shoot that deer, then he would have been like, go and go for it. Sure. Yeah. But I really wanted to spend time in a dove field this year and wasn't yeah. looking forward to deer hunting yet. September so. is not the most enjoyable month to deer hunt. No. It can be the most productive. If you, for sure. If you have something patterned and you know where something is, that's when the deer are going to be the most, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Definitely consistent. Most pre- yeah. Most consistent, consistent. Most predictable. Sure. You know, it, they can be early season, but it's. It's not the same. I mean, there's, you're, you know, shooting one first week in September is definitely uh, leave something to be desired over yeah. shooting one in early November. I'll tell you what. You two da- two days ago, when I walked outside and it was forty eight degrees yeah. in the morning, I was I was feeling di- it. I was dying to have that buck tag back. Yeah, I I don't know. I think um, with age comes uh, less selfishness as far as deer hunting goes. It definitely has for me personally. I know some people that's not true for it all. Well, but, it yeah. is for me. I. I think in my, you know, early to mid twenties, I was like so amped up and thinking like I had to kill stuff and it was like the only thing that matters. And I just see things differently. I'm as really true, truly I'm as excited for Scott to harvest a, oh, a deer true. as I am. So, um, I, that part's a team sport. Cause good. I'm like, I feel like we're each other's cheerleaders and you, you, were you know, t- you're talking about as you get older, you think it, it becomes less about, you know, that the individual part of it. But so things that have happened to me as I've gotten older and as I've deer hunted more and more and more is I've started caring less about certain things. Does that make sense at all? Sure. Sure. Like I don't, I'm not so uptight about my scent anymore or my camo or any of that stuff. The other day I went and sat on the ground, uh, hadn't showered in two days (laughs) and I had on a pair of green pants and like I didn't care a bit. And that's the day I killed my buck too, you know? Right. Some of the stuff that people get worked up in, I think just doesn't matter nearly as much as they think. It's really about where you're hunting and how you're hunting more than what you're doing aside from that. Sure. You start getting enough experience that you you have these experiences. You realize that, you know, not everything you might have been taught or, or, or raised to think a certain way, you know, as you spend more time out there, you start realizing that, you know, maybe I don't have to have matching camo to go out and kill a deer. I don't have to do this perfect, uh, you know, 100% scent-free everything. If the wind's right, it doesn't matter what it smell like. Yeah. Well. There was a young. Can I? Can I? Do it every Shift over. There was a. There was a girl I saw on the on that post that you made last night, and she was talking about um, her boyfriend or husband um, was always made her take a scent free shower. Uh-huh. And I wanted to respond to that because I still take scent free showers. Respond to it before now before I go hunting. So I still do that, and I know it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I know it doesn't work because I can still smell my old shampoo <laughs> and hair products in my hair after I take this scent free shower. Well, the thing is. So I know that it's not working for me. If I can still smell it, for sure a deer can smell it. They're going to smell me. Here's my two cents on the scent stuff because I honestly, people got to remember that the hunting, everything you hear and every, everything that's fed to you as a, as a hunter, some of that's for people to make money. You know, it's an industry. There's a lot of money getting thrown around out there. Sure. So some, some of the angles and some of the information that's out there is going to be pointed to try to sell you something mm-hmm. and I'm not knocking scent products or anything like that. But in my opinion, they just can't work. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, like, it sounds I like think, I'm knocking them a little bit. I think they do work in some instances, but here's the thing. If a deer is downwind of you, it doesn't matter if you took a scent free shower and if you washed all your clothes and scent free stuff, if you are breathing, you are putting scent in the air. Yeah. We've talked about this. Scott and I, 
well, years ago I said, maybe I'll just be like a vegetarian for like three weeks up leading up to, to deer season. And then, so like cut all the meat out. So then maybe I'd smell less like a predator and like quit using any kind of like scent stuff with shampoo, lotion, whatever else. Um, yeah. I don't use shampoo or lotion. I never did it, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So. I have some buddies that do that have, have a, and I mean, they're as hardcore as hardcore gets and they, they change their diet this time of year. Mm-hmm. And I never have thought about that. Change, you know, no fried food and they don't go whole, you know, full vegetarian. vegetarian, but they, you know, they do cut out certain things. Yeah. And, uh, but I will say that, you know, they're hunting Midwest flat ground, much more consistent, predictable wind. And, and they definitely hunt the wind, you know, they're not, they're not just, you know, throwing caution uh, out there and, and going wherever. So I eat a lot more deer when deer season opens up. So I feel like that's bound to make me smell more like something that wants, that to, kill wants to kill them. Yeah, yeah exactly. for sure. That's like the majority of my diet right now. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's making it tougher on you. Uh, I've had a good season. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've got two does and a buck in the fridge already, so I can't complain. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's been, but now I, this is the earliest I've ever tagged out. So now I'm sitting on the sidelines and I'm going to take a ton of does. You don't have to be. You can go to Fort Knox or Indiana or something else. I'm going to probably look at Ohio. I've, or uh, there's a really good WMA in Ohio that I've hunted before. Um, yeah. I wish I could remember what it's called. Tranquility WMA. What's yeah. the tag situation up there? I'm sure it's over the counter. but Yeah. Uh, I think last time I went, which was about three or four years ago, I ended up paying 185 for, for everything I needed. Yeah. And uh, But, the, you know, it was the same old story with public land. I got up there. I hadn't scouted it out through the maps. And mm-hmm. I hit the ground with my rattle antlers and uh, my bow, and I said, I'm just going to go in here and make something happen. And I'm looking to shoot a buck. It really doesn't, I don't, I'm not looking for anything big. And I called in uh, other hunters in, instead. <laughs> so, Did you? Yeah, I walked up on a guy in a tree stand, and then on my other spot that I hunted <laughs> the next morning, I um, rattled in two guys. So, whatever. But, I mean, it was still fun. Sure. And just getting yeah. to go out there and hunt another buck is part of it in itself, getting sure. to go out there with that in mind. And I know that now that I'm tagged out, I'm going to see some big ones this year. You know what I mean? I pretty much guaranteed myself to have a, a monster walk right under me. That's always the way it happens, I think. Last, right. last night I went coyote hunting. I went coyote hunting last night, and I'm on a farm where I took my buck this year. And I'm walking through the field, and I walk out there, and there's two bucks about 100 yards from me in this field. And I'm just walking out there. They're looking at me. I stop about 40 yards out into this wide open field, not a bit of cover around me. And these bucks are just staring at me. I'm staring at them. And then they start walking to me. I was like, oh, this is how it goes. You know what I mean? These bucks are literally going to come in here and lick the end of my gun barrel. <laughs> See what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, well. So anyways, uh, yeah, I don't think free showers work. No, I still they, do them. Yeah, how do we get so derailed there? That's, I don't know. That's but probably I believe fault. in Santa Claus, too. Speaking, so yeah, there's that. Speaking of the scent thing, you know, it's uh, it's something I, I, I spend less and less time all the time. I still don't... Uh, I guess I don't see the advantage of smelling like a, you know, high school locker room, but yeah. I'm not, I don't have this illusion that I'm going to be invisible to a deer's nose, you know? No, you, that's a, you have to play the wind. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You can do everything right. And if you don't play the wind, you're still going to get busted. Mm-hmm. The, uh, one of my buddies is a canine cop. <laughs> and he, so he has a dog and he said, it's a, he said he doesn't believe in the scent stuff at all anymore. Ever since he got that dog and he started training it and working it with scents, he said, there's no getting by it. I mean, that dog can smell everything. And, you know, he can just be walking and the person can be 200 yards uh, from him. And when that dog hits the downwind of where that person is, he'll stop and his neck will lock. And, you know, I mean, they can smell everything. Sure. A deer is pretty dang close to uh, a German Shepherd as far as And ability. probably more motivated. I mean, a German Shepherd gets a tree, a deer stays alive if, yeah. it, if it does it right. So, yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, part of my mentality, I didn't mean to cut you off, go ahead. No, it, it just, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes people might get a certain confirmation. They use a certain product or, a, you know, a spray or a cover scent or whatever, and a deer comes by, you know, what they perceive as downwind and doesn't wind them or doesn't pick them up. But you, you don't really know if your scent got to that deer's nose. It might be, you know, downwind, but you don't know what the, what the you know, exactly mm-hmm. where that scent is, is going. So My whole mentality on the scent thing really started changing when I started coyote hunting a lot more. Sure. Because... So, so a deer is walking around the woods and it's actively using its nose to sense what's around it, right? But when you're calling a coyote in, it is using its nose it, it, towards a target. It has mm-hmm. something that it's it's really trying to get. And um, it's amazing how far away a coyote can get you. Yeah, even if you take the scent-free showers, if you do everything right, I mean, they can be 250 yards away running through a field. And when they hit your scent, it's, you know, yeah. it's like okay. that. You can see there's a coyote hunt that we did here. And this coyote's coming in on a trot, right? And when it hits our wind for two frames of video, so for like five one hundredths of a second, its nose tilts up in the air. And you can see within that two frames, it's made a decision. It cuts sure. left and it's it's out of there. It's just ridiculous how well they can smell. That so, is that is the one neat thing. And I'm not not that I'm anti video. We watch a ton of YouTube videos mm-hmm. and different stuff. It's very interesting. But uh, you know, one thing that you can see, whether it's a deer, a coyote, or whatever, when they do hit that scent. It, it, it's like hitting them in the face with a tennis racket. Uh-huh. It's an instant reaction, and you know what happened. what's happened. Yeah, yeah, they winded you. It's, it is kind of weird, though. A coyote, when it hits your scent, it is gone. Right. I mean, there's it, no thinking about it. It's it's it, it's you know. A deer sometimes though is going to stick around. It's going it's going to look. It's going to stomp, and it's going to try to figure out what it's smelling. Does that? I think bucks don't do that though. Like mature bucks. Everything I've seen, they're gone. I know there's some does out there that like to stomp and blow for 15 minutes sometimes. <laughs> That's annoying. Isn't it? I hate them. They're getting theirs this year, though. You just wait. I think they smell people so much, too, though. I mean, that nose is so powerful that, I mean, in Kentucky, it's not like we're hunting tens of thousands of acres of you know, wide openness. Yeah, it's little, you know, farm lots and little stuff. There's there's people, up, you know, upwind of them all the time. So I think that, you know, they've got uh, a pretty good knack for sort of determining distance, how far yeah. that person might be away. Or I'm definitely a lot more cautious. I, I won't say I, I'm a little less cautious when I'm hunting in a neighborhood or, you know, like an urban deer, yeah. a deer that's always got people right. around it. I feel like they aren't so sensitive then, but out there on the farms, and especially if I'm buck hunting, I play that wind 100%. For sure. You guys want to go through some of this stuff? Yeah, sure. I love to. See, and some of this stuff, like I said, is just we'll skip through it because it's not really worth it. But I wrote down a bunch of random stuff here. <laughs> so, speed or kinetic energy? What What's more important? Uh, I say energy. Scott. Uh, in terms of for deer. Yeah, for deer. Lethality. Huh? What kills a deer? Neither. Putting arrow in the right spot. Oh, it's really it's about uh, loss of blood. You're not. You're not. So. You're not hitting a deer with an arrow to the point that it it just falls like it falls over dead. You're not killing it with energy. No. Right. The only the only damage done is what that blade touches. You're not gonna shoot a deer with a fast enough arrow that there's this splash effect like a bullet that, yeah. that you know, this ten inch area is affected. Yeah. Uh use Rachel's ex- example. She hunts with what, forty pounds, forty one like pounds? Forty two. Mm-hmm. And I could I could shoot more than that. I just, what I've always been comfortable uh, with. I shoot sixty. But yeah. Um I'm shooting like Less than 260 feet per second. I mean, my arrow is like rainbowing in there at far distances. Yeah, I think you're two, so. 230s or somewhere. Two, I don't know, but slow. But point being that you're picky. You're very selective about your shots. Right. Very picky about how you shoot deer. And the deer you shoot double lungs are just as dead as the deer that I shoot 
you know, with much more energy sure. at 70 pounds. So my, yeah. my opinion on this is when you make a perfect shot, it really doesn't matter. It's when something goes wrong. Sure. That's when it matters. I said 260, 226. Yeah. There you yeah. Go. That's it. Sorry. So when you hit the shoulder blade, instead of making a, a clean through the rib shot into the double lung, right? That's when your equipment is really going to matter what you're doing. And I've had, I used to shoot lightweight arrows, trying to get all the speed I could out of my bow. And it's nice to have that nice level trajectory. You don't got to worry about those three yards differences too, too awful bad. But when you hit that shoulder blade, I want a strong arrow. I want something that's going to punch through it. You know what I mean? My bow won't. Well, I go with, that's why I say energy. I probably have to agree that I like energy more than speed. Yeah. If, if, yeah. And, and let me get back to that a little bit. If, if, you know, if we're just going to talk about, you know, a given guy is, is generally speaking going to make, in other words, whatever energy you spit out with your bow, it pretty much is what it is. Now you can alter that by arrow weight and different things, uh-huh. but you know, you're going to have a different, you know, you're going to create a certain amount of energy. I'm going to create a certain amount of energy. Rachel at shorter draw length and lighter poundage. She's just kind of behind the eight ball as far as that goes. I would tend to favor more arrow weight and more arrow stiffness yeah. for penetration yeah. uh, as far as far as that goes. I like strength. And do you get a pass through with the deer when you make a good, perfect shot on it? Uh, it depends. So we've talked about this a lot. Um, I haven't ever, I've got one pass through on a buck. Okay. Um, and every other buck I've shot didn't get a pass through yeah. with. Now, I think there's a couple reasons why most of the deer that, most of the bucks I've shot, like as soon as I'm at full draw, they're aware I'm there. Yeah. So I think maybe like with them moving, it may suck some of that energy out of my mm-hmm. arrow too. It definitely does. Um, so I don't know if that's like a thing. Does typically yes, there's no issue. You're, but you're typically shooting through does. Yeah. And and, and you when we say pass through, you you typically will have two holes in that animal. Yeah. Usually your bucks you you have a broadhead on the opposite side. Yeah. That pass through, but the arrow's hanging as it runs off, and it yeah. usually shake it. You know. So this is kind of a mute point because you're not killing deer with energy. You're killing them with blood loss, right? So. But the deer's body absorbs a certain amount of energy. Sure. So if I'm shooting a 400 uh, pounds of energy out of my bow and somebody else is shooting 300, when that arrow leaves the animal, the animal's absorbed a certain amount of that energy. And my bow might be leaving the animal with 200 pounds of energy left. The other person might be leaving it with 100 pounds left. But that means we both put 200 pounds in the animal. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and and, and don't, look, I'm not a ballistics expert by any means, but just a guy that, that shoots deer with a bow, like I say, you're not... It's not the energy transfer. It's so slow speed. You're yeah. talking about something that's flying at not even 10% of the speed of your 30-odd six. Yeah. So it's only affecting what that blade is touching. There's yeah. no, you know, if it's a uh, an inch out of the, you know, the path of the broadhead, it doesn't matter. It's not affecting. Yeah. It's only affecting what the broadhead's touching. So shot placement is is so critical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that, that's basically why I go with energy is because I want that blade to touch what I need it to. And if I happen to make a shot that hits the shoulder blade, I want the highest chance I possibly have of that arrow getting through that shoulder sure, blade and back sure. into those. So that's why that's why I go with a stiff, strong arrow, kind of the same boat you were in. Ground blind or stand? Stand. 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 I'm on the same page. For some people, I mean, I'm hunting out of a ground blind tomorrow with a youth hunter. So for the, the, where you have a mentor there, you have a kid who's learning. I mean, there's advantages to being in a ground blind too. Some people are just more comfortable on the ground than they are climbing up a deer stand or something like that. So. I just don't, I don't like the experience of the, of the blind. I mean, I've done it. I've, I've 
You, you don't know. get to see as much. No. Well, in that case, I like to sit my butt on the ground. Sure. You're right. But, yeah. but that's also pretty risky if you're out there. I mean, you're putting scent on the ground and that scent stays there and you got a lot better chance to get busted when you're out level with them. I hunt low a lot too. I mean, I'm still in the stand, but I'm not hunting super high, like not 20 feet, maybe 10 or 12 sometimes. That, so. was, that was one of the other questions that's somewhere down this list, but I'll just go ahead and skip to it. Was they said, how high should you be in the stand? I think it just depends. Like sometimes I'm hunting like, you know, gullies or like creeks where I may have like I may be 40 feet on my left side but my right side might be eye level yeah. with a ridge top yeah. so it just varies I mean look at your your spot and I think cover is probably the most important yeah and so. move, movement and scent I mean mm -hmm. the advantage of being up high is that you get away from their eyes and that your scent is going to be a little bit higher up so you might have a little bit more cushion yeah around you but yeah I think the height thing is definitely uh based on the situation we we do we'll hunt high sometimes you know, where we might be, I mean, uh, 30 feet, 35 feet up a tree. But if you look at where the, we expect the deer to be, it, quite often we're, we're accessing from below. A lot of, a lot of folks, you know, the, the, your every every location and situation is different. But a lot of our public hunting, we're, we're accessing from below, uh, expecting deer to be bedded, you know, up the point, up the ridge from us. Uh, and, and, and basically with, you know, like afternoon thermals falling, uh, we're, we're trying to stay below those deer where they think they're going to be. So I might be 30, 40 feet. I mean, 40 is probably excessive, but, mm -hmm. but but 20 to 30 feet in a tree. Sure. But I'm only shooting a deer 10 feet below me or eye level with me or whatever. And and I think a lot of folks that, that really go to the moon with tree sand yeah. hikes, you really start kind of making a lot tougher shot oh, shooting yeah. down the top of the back of a well, deer. It's tough. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. When you, The higher you get, the steeper that angle is going to be. Yeah. And your kill zone changes. You sure. have to change where you aim and you're... you're Odds of getting a good double lung kind of start decreasing as the lungs become less aligned. They're, they're not overlapping as much the yeah. higher you get. So, sure, it'll get tougher as, as you get higher. I'll say what really dictates where I set my tree stand at is my shot opportunities. Mm -hmm. A lot of times if you keep going up, you got branches and stuff in your way, you can't shoot. I usually find that sweet spot where I'm like, all right, this looks like I can get shots. Mm -hmm. And that, that's where I usually stop at. Next one, who's a better shooter? <laughs> oh, Scott is. <laughs> Well, that was easy, Scott. If, yeah. if Scott disagrees and says you are, then we have something here. But no, no, we'll agree with that. Well, Scott's that, a better shooter. Some of that probably comes down to the bow as well, because no. it has nothing to do with mm -hmm. you. Got a little more arc in your arrow. Mm -hmm. You got a little. There's, there's some of that. Yeah, yeah and, I mean, so he's shooting faster, yeah. right? Um, I will say this, like for any ladies out there, um, because I am shooting so slow. I sh we shoot at really. I would say considerably far distances practice wise for Eastern whitetail hunters. Um, we're shooting out to like 60 and 70 yards practicing. Obviously I'd never shoot a deer that far, but um, I never had the opportunity to shoot that far with like a multiple, multiple pinned sight. And I switched to a single pin last year, year before last couple years ago. I think. Well, anyways, uh, before that I had like, uh, I think I shot like a five or six pin sight. Um, and I had a lot of trouble gapping. Because my bow is so slow, mm. once I switched to a single pin, I mean, it really improved my shooting tremendously. The, uh, fact, the fact you're just, able to aim exactly at what just, you're I mean, it, like, at. really immediately no, changed it. So, um, any ladies out there, I would say, look into that. It's yeah. it's definitely something. And uh, I, this was something I wanted to bring up, too. Um, just because something works for your brother, your husband, your boyfriend, your dad, does not mean it's going to work for you. Yeah. So, don't, like, get caught up in the... Well, he's he's shooting this or he's doing this, so I need to too. Um, do your research, figure out what's going to work for you. Because Scott and I don't shoot the same bows, we don't shoot the same broadheads. 
Um, well, you're two very different hunters as far as that kind of stuff goes. Right. So d- just don't get caught up with what everybody else is doing. Figure out what's going to work for you in your draw length and yeah. in your poundage and, and choose those options. Well, you know, so, I think it bears mentioning too, you talk about, you know, you kind of preface your setup with how slow it is and, and this like anemic energy, but you're shooting brand new equipment. You're shooting, you know, top of the line, you know, Matthews bow, you know, Easton carbon arrows. I mean, you're shooting, you know, you're, you're, you're putting out the energy that your, your frame and what you're able to pull allows you to put out. Sure. So, uh, it's not like you're shooting some, you know, 1970 pawn shop, yeah. you know, hand me down. Uh, Which is fine too. Yeah. It just is what it is for, for your draw length. I'll say as far as equipment goes, I think just being comfortable to what you got is most important. Mm-hmm. If most people looked at my bow setup, they would think that I was living 10 years ago, which I might be, but <laughs> you know, I like my, my three pan set site because I don't like having to move things, but I don't like the clutter. Sure. You know what I mean? And that's just what I got used to shooting when I was a kid. That's what I started with. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm comfortable with. But I, Chase is a lot different for me because he's so much longer yeah. in his arm. So, uh, draw link's going to increase your speed and poundage too. So well, yeah, there's a difference there. And I, I shoot a whisker biscuit, which a lot of people think that that's a bow hunting sin for some reason. They're a great of, hunting rest. Oh, it's a, a great rest. I have no worries about my rest. It's just, I put that arrow in there and I can toss my bow around. I could do like a, what do they call it when people spin the batons and stuff? I could do that. I could throw Baton my throwing. yeah. I could throw my bow up in the air and catch it. And it'd be just fine. So I like the simplicity of my setup. So that's what works for me. But a lot of people like the dropaways, and a lot of people like the adjustable sights and stuff like that. Pink camo or not? Our I, kids. I think it's for you, not for me. Yeah, I think that's always Scott. How do you feel about pink camo? You know, if I could find a deal, like after season clearance, <laughs> I, I'm always looking to, to scoop up a deal. Which I will say is one thing. It's a little unfair. Is that you know a lot of the uh, whether it's a, a mom and pop shop or Cabela's or whatever, after season, uh, apparently men's medium and small doesn't sell all that well. So Rachel tends to get some pretty screaming deals. Oh, yeah. After season. Yeah, it's legit. Our our men's clothing a lot. Oh, who cares? So. Yeah. Yeah. I wear women's clothing a lot. So. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. But I don't think you're a fan of pink camo, right? Uh, you know, I think for kids, I don't know. It's just never been my jam. I don't see so, the point of it, to be honest with you. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a fan. Whatever. I'll just, I'll just I like old army fatigues. I wear those pants a lot. Like Scott shorts, Scott's, but in the pants. It, it, those aren't jorts, but they're similar. Yeah. Right? They're jorts, but army fatigues. Actually, those have yeah, a seam so. in them. Those are, those are hemmed up there. So you actually bought those somewhere. You didn't make those yourself. No, he they're made cut off those. pants. But, or, but it looks like there's a, a hemline. There is. That's there. where the double face. Double oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So you made those yourself. You can go yeah. to the flea market and for $12 get the exact outfit <laughs> hey, Scott has on right now. <laughs> great, uh, you know, early season deer hunting. Uh, They're good scouting pants. You can stuff shells in one hip pocket and doves in the other. Yeah. That thing. Those yeah. probably really, honest, honestly, might be the best early season dove hunting pants I've ever seen. They're great. I've never, never thought about it. Yeah. Scott cuts them off. I do too. Um, I used to wear them a lot more than I do now. I would love pictures. It's pretty redneck, but whatever. All right. Next one was a uh, night in the woods or a night out for a date night. And uh, now since you two don't hunt together very often, let's yeah. just say it's not deer hunting. Let's say we're talking about in the dove field or something. Oh, we're going hunting for sure. Yeah. Or yeah. you guys do a lot of other stuff other than just hunting. I mean, obviously you guys are fishing, you're striper yeah. fishing, cat fishing, you're bow fishing. So. We like to be outside a lot. Yeah. yeah I think I, I would rather... I don't know. And this changed too as I got older. I would rather spend time like hunting and fishing in my free time than going out to movies or dinner. Oh gosh. Yeah. What a waste of money. I think so too. <laughs> That's how I yeah. feel about the movies. That's kind of like my mind frame. So I don't know. I say out in the woods or on the water for sure. Does shooting coal bucks make a difference? 
so I don't I can't say a lot to this uh, we don't we're not property owners we have public ground a, a lot and then some private properties um, everything I've read says it makes no difference in the genetics to your property in the area it does make a difference uh, possibly in what bucks will remain on your your piece of property during rut so um, if you had like an aggressive coal buck you wanted to get out of there to bring different yeah. deer in then it would help um, I've never been one to shoot a coal uh, buck I don't burn my buck tag yeah I mean yeah. As, a, as a yes or no answer I would say no with with one buck tag you're not going to alter yeah that much I, you know, if you're speaking of, of colon for genetics I just don't think it's something that the average person has the ability to control. Well, I mean, honestly, they say it doesn't work. You got to you got to see a deer at three and a half or four and a half to know what his genetics right. really are. And by that right. point, he's already bred. Small, he's got offspring out there. Sure. You're not getting the genetics out of there. Yeah. But yeah. I do know. I mean, I, you guys both know Austin Musselman, and I don't know him personally, but I kind of keep up with his hunting and stuff just because it's interesting. I mean, he he calls bucks, and I've got a feel. I mean, I got a feeling he's not wrong with how he does it. You know, no, his management and, plan is incredible. There's no question about that. But something to be said there. Like I say, I think people confuse the genetic. Are we calling for genetics? Or are we calling for to get a yeah. to remove a dominant buck from a certain area? Mm -hmm. And yeah. he's even his coal bucks, if you would even call them that, are yeah, 140 five, inch deer. They're five and six <laughs> yeah. years old. Yeah, you know that that's all they're ever going to be. Uh, the seven pointer I killed years ago. You know that deer was a hundred and. I mean, if we want to talk inches, you know, I don't know what it was, 120-something yeah. deer. I've got a 123-inch six-pointer I killed one time. Yeah, but this deer was the boss of this property. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, you know, six years old, gigantic body. Mm -hmm. I mean, he ran things, and when he was dead and gone, you, you saw kind of this collective sigh of relief from the younger bucks. It's that like they, the mafia. They just kind of had a little freer run of the place with him gone. So yeah. That six-pointer I shot years ago, he <laughs> was, I, I was actually hunting a different deer. And I saw this deer, and I saw him straight away, right? And I was like, that's him. I was looking for this big, wide eight-pointer. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was this is the last deer I took with a rifle, and this was back in like 2009 or something like that. And this deer, he walks out, and I'm ready. I take an offhand shot at him while he's walking across this field. He's hit good, right? And, of course, I'm a kid at this point. Remember, I'm a young kid, okay? <laughs> yeah. I take off running, and uh, I can see the deer. He's walking away from me. I put another one in him, right? <laughs> I run. I chase him down into the woods, and I'm sitting there, he's standing there looking at me 30 yards away. I put another one in him. I ended up shooting that deer four times with a 270. And he, he my tax number said he was the biggest deer he'd ever mounted to that point. Body-wise, yeah. Yeah, the size of his neck was where the tax numbers was going uh -huh. on. But this thing was a brute. I mean, if I get a six-pointer mounted, it's a good deer. So I was more than happy with that deer, but sure. I thought he was he was a tank. But okay, that was off topic again. No, it's good. Yeah. So cold bucks, that's our opinion. I, I feel like there's something to it, but you're saying it probably has more to do with getting a mature buck that is dominant in that area out of there than it does to do with colon genetics. Yeah, and even then, I mean, you're, you're using a really specific situation. It's just not something, uh, I think a lot of guys might throw the coal buck terminology out there as kind yeah. of a, yeah. you know. Well, ground ground well, shrinkage. maybe, yeah. I can't even say it, ground shrinkage. Um, so, yeah. like the one I saw Austin do last year, I keep talking about him, but he's got a management plan that sure. I've referenced sometimes. He had a kid, it was his first time hunting come out. I think it was probably during youth weekend. Mm -hmm. And you could just tell Austin knew exactly what buck that kid was probably going to shoot. He had trail cam pictures of him. He put him in a spot, right? And that kid comes out there and he takes like 140 inch deer, maybe better. I can't remember exactly what it was, but that was a buck that Austin had planned on that kid shooting for a reason. And that's probably the cold buck, a nice mature big deer. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. I can't speak to it because I don't know, but um, you, 
you know, I think for like Scott and I, you, anybody else that's asking questions, you got to keep in mind too, unless you have a ton of ground, mm -hmm. a lot of acreage. By ton, you mean thousands, not hundreds. I mean, yes. I'm not talking about a couple hundred acres. Your deer are not going to just remain on that area. You have to have, be able to offer them everything. Food, <laughs> food, water, you know, bedding areas. Yeah. That's pretty impossible for most of us to do. I've got so. I've got a big farm that the deer typically stay on. I'm pretty lucky, but they still make it across. I mean, I still got other hunters sending me trail cam pictures, and I mean, that's a 780 acre farm. And is that all year long they're staying on it, or just during hunting season? Traditionally, I have the same bucks year after year after year. Oh, cool. Yeah, but I mean, they also make it to other people's properties. I got lucky. The big deer, big eight pointer, I killed last year. I mean, this guy sending me pictures of him after he killed it. He's like, I had that deer in front of me for 30 minutes the other day at 20 yards. And it's like, thank God you tagged out early. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because that would have changed my whole season. Oh, well. Next one, um, bow versus crossbow. Uh, should crossbow season be during the length of archery? I think Scott feels strongly. So crossbow season during the entire length of archery season. This is for a little, I, little bit of a hot topic, too. Sure. Um I mean, my, my quick answer is the way it is now is the way I like it. Yeah, I'm I a agree. crossbow hunter. So, uh, you know, I'm not speaking for everybody, obviously. Um, but uh, I can certainly see, you know, making a, a pretty strong case for, you know, and I hate to say like kids and seniors and, and maybe newcomers to it. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I'm happy with, with the way it is now, personally. It's all about opportunity. I mean, it, it gives more opportunity. Which is good. And Gabe Jenkins made a point to me. He said, you know, some people just aren't strong enough to pull back the compound. Some people, you know, they don't want to be labeled as disabled because honestly, they're not disabled. They just aren't quite strong enough. I don't believe that. Well, so are you against that? <laughs> I'm against that statement. <laughs> okay. And this is why. Because um, as much time as we've spent in like the archery shop and stuff, you don't need a ton of poundage to yeah. kill a deer. If I mean, you... If you if you do everything right, I mean, what did what did Lexi shoot that buck with? Uh, mid twenties. Mid twenties. You know, no, but and I mean, Jason, we're talking like everything else was perfect. Her arrow length, the sure. weight. Yeah. She the broadheads. She was we, shooting outstanding. Cut, shooting cut on contact broadheads. Very close range. Very picky about her shot selection. Right. So if, if all the stars align, it doesn't take much. You know. He, We've all had deer lungs in our hands, you know, hundreds of times. Pretty soft. It's it's whipped cream. It's nothing, you yeah. know. It, it, as long as you know, it, you know, even a rib is not going to stop a whole lot. Um, so I think for anybody out there that thinks that you're not strong enough or anything else, you are. Go to a good shop that's going to really give you opportunity to shoot a bow. You are strong enough. I believe that anybody can shoot a bow if they set their mind to. Yeah. And again, you're getting full pass-throughs on multiple deer a year with 40 pounds of draw. Yeah. yeah. So. so. The, uh, I think there used to be a law that the minimum was 35 for deer hunting, but since equipment's gotten so much better and bows have gotten so much faster, they just did away with that. All yeah, day. there's no minimum. Now, look, I'm not saying that you can just like go do whatever, but I mean, you need to be smart with what you, what you choose to shoot and all that stuff. But I still believe that everybody has the, the ability to do that or the majority of people. Uh, so I shouldn't say everyone. But. Next question is, cause I just looked at our time. We're actually eating up quite a bit here so i'm gonna keep moving um is it okay to take a leak out of your stand and i want to know rachel is that something that you even <laughs> i've always wondered 
Yes, and often just uh, I yeah. don't worry about it. I usually take a bottle up there. The problem is you got to remember which bottle you used. <laughs> don't take yellow Gatorade with yeah. you. Yeah, problem. Then you're carrying a I do pee it. bottle around. I'll carry a pee bottle around. My buddy Bobby, he has uh, two big Nalgene bottles, a liter and a half each. And there's one of them he doesn't let other people drink. He just drinks out of that one himself because that's the one. <laughs> he doesn't let anybody drink out of the clean one he wants. <laughs> no, he, he he has one designated to what he uses it for, but he still just rinses it out with water and puts water in and drinks out of it afterwards. So, But going back to the scent thing, <laughs> if you're really on board with the scent doesn't matter, I'm just playing the wind, I'm just playing the thermals, then you kind of got to be on board with the, I'll pee out of my tree saying it's okay. Yeah. Well, a lot of people actually say that a lot of people will pee in scrapes. Yeah. Scott does. I hear, I hear that it works well. I've never done it, but people have put cameras up and they've shown me the trail cam pictures and I'm a believer that it works. Yeah. But at the same time, when a deer smells another deer's urine, it knows that deer's gender. It knows it's, it knows things about that animal. So I'm just confused how it doesn't distinguish the difference in human and deer pee. I don't, I, I don't, I don't pretend to know, but I can tell you that, that, after peeing in a whole lot of scrapes and hanging cameras on them, that yeah. Uh, well, well, one example uh, uh, had a, a farmer used to hunt that uh, there was a pretty good little kind of bushy stretch, bushy fence row about a hundred yards long, and every year there would be you know six or eight scrapes pop up up in a hundred yard stretch. I would hang a camera on one of them instead of all of them, but just, you know just hanging on one, peeing the one, and that would always be the biggest, most active one, huh. like without fail. And I could change which one it was; it wouldn't matter. But the one that I peed in. Would have the freshest activity all the time. Is there any certain thing that you add to your diet? Or <laughs> no, I, I mean, it, I don't He's think it's anything special. Magic stuff. Well, yeah, lot, I, lots, I lots of coffee and asparagus <laughs> really gets the bucks going. That's funny. Um, let's see. Do I get to skip that question then? Uh, do, do you ever pee in the stand, Rachel? No. Never? Almost. No, usually I, well, I like to pee in the woods. Yeah. And I, but, um, yeah, no, no. Physi physical limitations keep. Yeah, and like I had a friend that was like, just hang out over the side of the stand. I'm like, I am not. I'm way too clumsy for that. Can you imagine falling out of your tree stand with your pants down? How embarrassing that would Man. be. All right, sorry. The challenges. Yes. All right, bait, um, bait or no bait? Um, I think it depends on what you're doing. I, I personally don't bait deer. So I, I have killed deer over bait for sure. Um, does a lot during late season trying to take does off of property. Um, but I've kind of, I think, changed my mind about how I feel about uh, bait and bucks and stuff. So, yeah. well, I mean, just there, personal, there's advantages and disadvantages. Sure. If I had, let's just say, for instance, I had a 180 inch giant out there on my farm I'd seen in the summertime, I'd probably be baiting and I'd probably be trying to get that deer in a pattern in the first weekend of season, you know. But if I'm out there and I'm you know, kind of looking for bucks to show up. I'll just, I have fun skipping around and I don't want to be designated to hunt in a certain spot. I want to be able to hunt how I want. So, well, and I, I think the, from what I've seen in the past, like when I was like trying to shoot deer over, over corn or whatever too, there's something, they just know that it isn't right. It's it's like they're in there eating it, but they know it's too good to be true. Yes, it's not natural, and I shouldn't be here. Well, yeah. there's also and your scent and everything else. Like well, there's disadvantages. Yes, yeah. Like, so like, for instance, a doe's hanging out around your stand uh, all the time while you're hunting. If you got a bunch of does out there, it just makes it that much harder to sure. actually get a good buck. Plus, if they're hanging out after dark or before daylight, it makes it really hard to get in there in the morning or to leave at night without busting deer. Absolutely. I, I would say that the baiting thing has definitely changed for me in the last five or ten years. Uh, I still do it some, but uh, it's it's definitely lost a large portion of its luster. Uh, it's kind of, 
it's 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 kind of like uh, doing the you know the dollar menu at McDonald's. It it's you know easy and fast and convenient, but it's it doesn't uh, leave something to be desired. You kind of know that you're not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I got buddies that swear by it. I personally don't. So I mean, it, it can definitely be very effective. No, in no question. But uh, and, and part of that for me too is you know a lot of times when we talk about baiting, we're talking about early season and you know early you know yeah. early September, and uh, you kind of are weighing you know at what point do you want to you know punch that tag and be done for the year? You know. Well, not just that, but this time of year, I mean, the bait piles are becoming less and less effective because the acorns are dropping. Sure, there's yeah. so much food. That's what a deer would prefer to have. <clears throat> Sorry. Careful. All right. Next one is, I see a gentleman and lets her have first pick of spots. I think we already touched on that. You guys just kind of, there's no gentleman or anything like that. You just kind of work it out who talk about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We're both pretty, uh, laid back. Well, yeah. And, and just mobile. We don't, we're, we're not ones to sit the same spot over and over, or even same property. We kind of like to really bounce around and see a lot of different countries. So. Yeah. I think that's good advice for anybody listening. Uh, Get out there and explore some new spots and don't have the same old stuff all the time. Yeah, because yeah. it's never going to get any better than what it is. Yeah, your first set, your best set. Yeah, that, generally, it, it's I, not I'm, like I move around a lot too. Yeah, it's. A, I think that's important. It's never going to. It's not going to continue to improve every time you sit in it. So, well, yeah. like your and like your buck that you killed, which you killed a buck a week ago, right? Uh, yeah, I was like last Thursday. Okay, and I, I got. Part of the story, you were on the ground. Mm-hmm. Well, I switched to that side of the farm just based on, like, I, I didn't hunt the same stand twice this year. I, well, twice. That's the most I ever hunted the same set this year. And that's because if the wind's not right, I'm not going to this place, but I'm, I want to go to this place, mm-hmm. you know. I'm playing the wind, and I'm also playing what's going on on the farm. The day that I hunted that spot, they were actually combining the beans uh, near one of my other stands. So mm-hmm. I said, all right, I'm not going there. The combine's on the field. Don't feel like messing with it. And uh, acorns are dropping, so I said, all right, I got a bunch of oaks up there, a lot of acorns on the ground. That's where I'm going. Got a good wind, got a good food source, and I don't have disturbance. So that's why I went to that spot. So I like being flexible and moving around. And um, yeah, It I'll, paid I'll, off for you. Yeah, that's a good spot. I love that area. It's a spot that I've had deer stands in the past. I just don't have one right now. I need to get one back there, though. But I think that would, that would handicap a lot of people. A lot of people would say, well, I don't have, you know, I'm not going to go over and sit on the ground. I don't, I don't have a stand over there. I haven't. You know, don't want a camera over there. Haven't scouted it. Just going and being on that fresh sign. That's so critical. That so often when we go in the woods, you know, we're going in with a stand on our back and and in, yeah. a, in a mobile fashion to where when we find what we want to find, we're hunting it right then. We're yeah. not leaving scent and coming back a week later. We're hunting it immediately. No, I think that's a good point too. Not leaving scent and coming back to it. But if you take what you need in there, you can. You're just there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do also. I want to say on that buck that I killed a. There was a creek. So I set up on the edge of a creek, and I'm catching the deer as they're coming across the creek, right? And I think there's something about that creek that makes the deer feel safer. You know what I mean? Like, not safer in general, but they aren't necessarily looking at what's across the creek while they're walking down the bank on one side. They're more worried about what's on their side of the creek. It's like the creek is a safety barrier for them. Yeah, I think they definitely act, depending on how, how deep and, and yeah. you know, things like that, I think they definitely use it as a, as a barrier much in the same way they might use a, a big, you know, heavy a grown-up fence row or something yeah. like that you know it's just they know it's a barrier for a predator to to get to them so they definitely kind of yeah exactly use it to their advantage or like maybe they feel like that not humans but uh any other predator to them they aren't thinking about the fact that arrows flying through the air they're right. looking for something on the ground with yeah them, exactly so. yeah how far was your shot it was uh 35 he was across the creek uh, he was coming to my side of the creek Okay. Yeah, but he ran back across the creek on the other side, and I'll be honest with you, I got pretty lucky that day. But luck's part of it. So that is that is just an awesome area. They, 
sold off the property up on top of the hill across the creek from me about two years ago and quit farming and it's literally 10 foot tall weeds yeah. surrounded by wood lots with acorns and stuff and there's a creek at the bottom of the hill and then across from the creek is a uh, soybeans and corn and everything so it's a really good spot to catch them crossing from that thick heavy cover bedding yeah coming up to food yeah. and there's there's bigger deer out there than the one i shot uh, I saw one walking in that day. Actually, the spot I sat down at was my second choice because as I was walking in to go sit down at my first choice, I bumped a good buck up and he took off on me. So I said, all right, I'm going to go to my next spot. Was he up feeding when you bumped him or was he? He was bedded. He was bedded. literally bedded in an island in the middle of the creek. You know, it's like a big area where there's trees and stuff going up. The creek just splits and yep. goes around it. It was him and another buck right there. And I saw him running away. But, you know, it's always so hard to judge size when they're running away. Sure. Yeah. See, so I, and I, add some inches. <laughs> I wasn't sure if he was 150 or 125 or what. But then uh, my buddy was out there combining uh, the next day. And he's like, man, I just saw this deer. I said, was he a white rack, a big white rack? He said, oh, yeah. And I said, how big is he? He said, big enough for me to call you about him. <laughs> so it's a, it was a good one out there that I bumped out. But I'm more than happy with my deer. He's a big mature buck. Not going to score the best. But, uh. Definitely a good deer, especially awesome. from the ground and stuff. I was Heck really, yeah. really happy with it. Let's see. Some of these questions I feel like came from people who might not have a wife or a girlfriend that hunts because some of them seem like a little bit pointed, you know, like uh, who has to gut the deer? I'm assuming you probably got your own deer just fine. Right? Right? That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, who I, shoots it? That's what yeah. I was saying. Um, who shoots when they hunt together? So have you guys, I know you, I don't know if you've ever been successful on your hunt together, but we have you, one time. Who shot? Scott did. Is it just who has a better angle? No. It, it, what? Tip, yeah, that's what it would be. I mean, but again, yeah, you're talking the, about. Now it would be who has a better angle. That was years ago. And I had buck fever. I was shaking. Well, he sort he wheezed the buck in. He called this deer in. Yeah. I had never seen anything like this. I was like, this isn't going to work. And this deer stomped in. And then a dog ran him. We were hunting in an yeah, urban it almost, area. It almost didn't work. A, and a then dog a dog about... ran him out. And then he had to scrape and he came back. And it was probably one of my favorite favorite times but i don't think you had a buck tag that year i think you'd already killed a buck that year so i don't i could be wrong i think i still was carrying a buck tag and you had already killed so that that was sort of a you know there's force your hand but there's no better way to hunt for me than when you call him in and like the deer i killed last year he came in just spitting mad i mean he was tearing up trees he was thrashing because i'd grunted and rattled him in Mm. He's stomping, you know. I love it when they're coming in ticked off like that. It was yeah. awesome. It's definitely, it has some, it's fun, but it has some stress situation because they're, I mean, they're looking for that noise. They're looking for that deer. It's not like a deer just, you know, casually walking through feeding. Oh, they know, know exactly where that noise came from, yeah. too. Yeah, you got to be ready. I will say, Scott shot that deer really good. He double lunged him. He, and did you hit the top of the heart, too? I can't remember, but I have pictures. I think it was just double long. Incredibly. It, like, it blew my mind how far this deer ran. Well, they're tough. They're all hyped up. Yeah, all that adrenaline, He come, him coming in to, to fight whatever deer was there. I mean, it was it was really, like, mind-blowing, but it was awesome. I, I've always been so. one that, like, you know, there's no there's no beaten shot placement. Like, you know, I hear people talk about, uh, you know, an experience where they, you know, they're all doubling this deer and it went, you know, 500 yards or whatever. But I, but I had the only, yeah, typically, I mean, we shoot enough deer you know, tra- definitely track enough deer with buddies and things like that, that, you know, you get both lungs, it's a hundred yard deal. I mean, 98% of the time. Yeah. Uh, but that deer was an exception to that. He, like I say, he was definitely pumped up, eyes rolled back in his head, you know, ears laid back and uh, shot him uh, 14, 15 yards. Uh, he runs out kind of in a cut hayfield about 80 yards and sort of stands there and 
bristles up. I'm like, well, this is it. We're going to watch him tip over right here. And he sort of coughs a couple times and then kind of head down marches about another hundred. And he ended up uh, going down in, in the edge of the woods. Probably, I didn't measure it, but I'm going to say 200 yards, 225 yeah. yards. It's amazing how tough they are. And I mean, I, I mean I, we're always picky about seeing, you know, physically seeing what we hit when we take that deer apart, you know. And I mean, there was a perfect X right through the center of both lungs. Mm. So That's wild. Uh, with a buck, when they're amped up, you, you definitely might have a, a little different experience. The uh, Two years ago, the 10-pointer I took was a deer I'd literally been hunting hard. I'd been on this deer for three years, and I'd been trying to get him... Uh, the, the year before I shot him, he was kind of borderline. He's about, you know, he's a good 10 pointer, but he wasn't a monster. And I was really hoping Bobby would shoot him. And I mean, we had experiences where we were hunting different stands. We could see each other. And I would see that deer a hundred yards behind Bobby where he couldn't see it, but I could see it. And I was texting him. He's right there. Like it was <laughs> this, we had a relationship with this deer. And then the year I killed him, I, I was hunting him really hard and I would see him out in the field and he could never, he would never come in. Right. He would, and I would grind and I'd rattle to him. He'd never come in. But every time I would see him. I'll just say, for example, a deer, a buck walked down the field, right? Within two or three minutes, this buck was on his way out there. He was marching this deer off, mm -hmm. and he was just being really territorial. One night, I took a buck decoy with me, popped it up, and that's all it took. Really? He just had to see something. You know what I mean? That but was it, his personality that got it. He, yeah. was, he was a very dominant, aggressive buck. I hunted one, one time last year during our vacation, and... With a decoy, it didn't work for me. Oh, it's, and I saw two really good deer, but and it it just didn't work. They both saw it, and they saw it, and went to the other side of the field, hit a scrape, and went in the woods. That's strange. Yeah, this deer. I mean, literally. I just think I, it's maybe personalities. I felt so confident in him because I literally watched him march deer out of the field five or six different nights. You know, he just wouldn't come to me, but I would watch him go out there and push this deer away. So I said, if he sees that decoy, there's a good chance. Work. And Sure enough. That's yeah, awesome. I think a lot of times it's it's their mood too. It's you know, you can have a deer that, you know, you grunt to or call to or snort wheeze, whatever, and you know, he'll look at you and just kinda of keep doing his thing, but it's like there's a handful of days a year that something's gonna trigger in his brain. It's it's like the you know, a young guy goes and sees a kung fu movie and walks out and he's like, Man, I feel like I'm like the oh, baddest yeah. thing walking the planet, <laughs> you know. And I wish somebody would say something to me and that's just you get those bucks and, and that little tiny window when something's flipped in their head and and they would just come running to it so. yeah or maybe they didn't get the girl on the last yeah maybe around they got beat the last time it. i don't know yeah that yeah. uh speaking of him being tough and pumped up and stuff that buck i was just talking about when i shot him i mean he had no idea i was there he was coming in and i put one right through the rib cage and he took like three or four steps and he stopped and he's just looking around for whatever it was i got another arrow out put another arrow on my bow pulled back and shot him again so i mean he was you know he was so amped up it's like getting hit didn't even bother him I've seen that happen with other deer before. I've been amazed at how many second shot opportunities I've been able to get on hit deer. Like if they don't know you're there, then a lot of times they don't know what hit them. You know, they, they, I mean, they know they got hit, but if they're not aware, if they're not looking at you when you shoot or they don't see the shot coming. Well, and that brought us through them so fast. And I think that's something important too, for somebody that's maybe new or asking questions to, you know, if that, you know, you shoot, don't take anything for granted. If you can get another arrow on that deer, if you can get another shot on that deer, oh, yeah. keep shooting. Because yeah. you don't know, uh, you know, it's easy to take for granted and go, well, I shot, I know, it felt like a good shot, but if you've got another opportunity, shoot them twice. Keep dumping on them. I yeah. mean, oh, I always keep shooting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The uh, next one, typical or non typical? I guess that's kind of an opinion thing. Oh, like what we would prefer? Yeah. Like, so the, the good example for me is up there at Slato right now, we have the big record typical right it's like mm -hmm. the, just giant eight pointer right 204 inch eight pointer or something like that yeah and then we have the fort campbell buck which is a awesome looking either 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Hey, you know, do you want a million bucks in tens or twenties? Yeah. You know. I, yeah. When I go up there, though, I get in arguments with Brooks. He wants that typical. He wants that big eight pointer, a huge eight pointer, and I would shoot the Campbell buck over him any day. Yeah, I don't. It's just me, but it's like Scott said, a million bucks in tens or twenties. I think not typical is something that just. I mean, I don't see where we hunt or how we hunt, whatever. I I typically don't see anything that's too too crazy as far as rack wise. So. Yeah. I mean, if we're just going to throw something out there, yeah, I'd like to have a, something crazy on typical, well, I guess. A, I'm yeah. not a big fan of the drooping on typicals, you know, like the ones that just don't even look like deer. But, like, that one up there is a mainframe, a typical mainframe, but it just has junk coming off it everywhere. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I like. I'd say either. Next one is uh, with kids, and that's not the situation here yet. Uh, who hunts and who watches them, and how do you decide? Oh, the dog, the dog stays home. We both go hunt. <laughs> yeah, and he's really yeah. happy if we bring a deer home. Train that dog well. Yeah. All right. Uh, antler restrictions. Do they benefit the herd? So we've actually had them on our WMAs before. But, I mean, I, I, I'm not in favor of antler size restrictions. Because I think I... I think it matters in our state because you only get one tag. Yeah, that's true. So... With, that, with, with the one tag situation I, 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 and, like, just where we're at now with kind of the hunter mentality in Kentucky, I don't think it's that big a deal. To me, it was a point restriction or a spread restriction. You're just... You're limiting a newcomer to it. You're limiting a kid. You're limiting somebody that just doesn't care. And wants deer meat. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't, to me, I don't see the point of it. Um, well, the vast majority of our state is private land. And so, people ought to be able to take what deer they want to take on their own land. Sure. So, I mean, you could say something for public land if you wanted to. But everybody would have to be in favor of it. There would have to be surveys done. But, like, for instance, Georgia has an antler size restriction. Sankster was just telling me this. He's a Georgia guy. And our deer herd's killing them. You know what I mean? How many buck hacks do they get? I'm not sure. See, those are things. More I don't than know. one, probably. It's, it's, that's the one thing that I see with a lot of your southern states. And, and I mean, I'm totally guessing on the, on that deal, but so many of your southern states, it's high hunting pressure yeah. and lots of buck tags. Yeah. And people just aren't picky. They're shooting spikes and four corns and whatever. And you just have a situation where deer aren't getting old enough mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to grow that, that big rack like everyone wants to see. I think, yeah, you're right. And, enough hunters in Kentucky have the mentality to let them let them grow that we're doing a pretty good job on our own anyway yeah we shoot Kentucky shoots good deer every year I think the biggest thing and this is probably not a very popular thing for a lot of people but uh, I think the biggest thing that Kentucky could do uh, and like I say I'm sure everybody wouldn't want it but push push rifle season back if you push rifle season back two weeks well I mean you look at Kansas Iowa Ohio (laughs) is a green I'm not necessarily agreeing. I'm just. Wondering. It would be an inter- interesting thing to see. Uh, He's saying because big bucks wouldn't get shot during the rut. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying we have it bad now. We have it great right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm just kind of pipe dreaming. Yeah. What if? But you know, right now we've got a rifle season that that comes in at the absolute peak of bucks being on their feet, and yeah. you're, you're getting a lot of two and three year old deer shot. I'm no expert on the reasoning and the biology behind it. I'd have to run that by game. That's you know, that's in somebody who knows a lot more than me. But yeah, look, yeah, and I don't pretend to know either. I, I'm, you know, but it, you're saying it'd be nice for people who want big bucks. Maybe I, I don't know. I, but it's it's good to give opportunity to. That's part of the goal is sure giving people well, a good time. A good opportunity and then like good herd health too. So, yeah, that's a, I mean, that's that's the main goal is sure. is actual management of the resources. And I don't know, if, like we <clears throat> we just know that there's overpopulation in our areas. That's the only thing I can. And, speak and to. like I would don't don't get me wrong, I would definitely default to opportunity, even with the crossbow thing. I mean, if it came down to it, I got to flip a coin, 
let them let them have them. Yeah. You know what I mean? If it gets people in the woods, gets licenses sold. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the main goal is conservation, and that's how that. I mean, that's how it's funded. That's sure. how it takes place. So mm-hmm. more people is better. Sometimes it's easy to be. I'm not calling you selfish because I have. Sometimes it's easy to be selfish. No, and just look, it's about, a, I mean, yeah. me wanting this stuff is. It, don't get me. It's a selfish thing. I mean, yeah. no, no doubt. Yeah, that's uh, what I've told people before. When I'm a, say I'm opposed to crossbow season for the length of it, people will. I mean, that's just a selfish reason, and it is. It's 100 yeah. percent me worrying about. Hey, I'm a compound hunter. I don't want more people out there. Right. But at the same time, I, when I really sit back and think about it. I do want more people out there, and I just got to get out of my own way there, you know, and really look at it for what it is. You know, for most people, it's not going to – I mean, we all kind of share these deer that, that you know, not, there's not many situations where they're all living on, you know, just your property and not leaving. But for the 95% of guys hunting private ground, you're going to do what you want on your private ground anyway, mm-hmm. you know. So the only the only experience uh, that's going to maybe really alter would be the public, public land guide where – you know, that might see an influx of people, you know, influx out of state hunters, whatever. I don't know. I'm totally just speculating on this. It's just something I think about. What do you think about, let me find another question here. Do you guys use thermocells? Absolutely. Yes. Do you think they spook deer? No. No. I, I use them too. I don't. If they're going to yeah. smell the thermocell, they're going to smell you. They're anyway. smelling you. That's the biggest thing. Is I feel like every time I'm in here with you, Chase, I have trigger bites. <laughs> and look, last time Scott and I went and walked a property, weird, October, it was hot though. And we sprayed with permethrin. We mm-hmm. use that a lot. And I just got trigger bites all over my hands. You guys ever know the permethrin is the one that you're not supposed to spray on your skin? Yeah. Our buddy said that's not because it harms you, it's because it doesn't danger stick it. on you. It yeah. doesn't stick to your skin. I went down to the sloughs and filled a piece here, and mm-hmm. it is loaded with mosquitoes. And I didn't have anything, and I was getting eaten up like crazy. So I went to the truck and took this permethrin. And I was spraying it right on my face. Yeah, I was just straight, straight on the skin. I mean, literally just soaked the, my whole face with it and got it in my hair and did all this stuff. And then somebody told me after the fact, I hope you didn't put that on your skin. I was like, I put it up, like, up my nose. <laughs> so. Yeah, from what I've been told, it's, that it's just because it doesn't adhere to your skin. Yeah. You sweat and it just slides right off. But, yeah. yes, I think anything that you can do to prevent bug bites is very important. Yeah, I, it I makes would it, probably rather forget a lot of things in my thermosol when it comes to early season. Yeah, yeah. I uh, – well, and this year into October, it's insane how warm it's been. So when I went hunting on the ground the other day, I'm going to make a confession real quick. Um, I took the thermosel because I sit on the ground by a creek. I'm obviously going to get eaten up. Uh, I took Chad's thermosel, <laughs> and it's still sitting out there on the ground by the creek. You left it. I, I forgot it. I didn't. I mean, I thought I put it in the backpack, and it wasn't until I was taking all the stuff out of my backpack later. I was like. Shoot! So now I got to go buy Chad and eat on myself. <laughs> I haven't told him yet, but I'll get him uh, the newest and the and the best ones. So yeah, be they, I, work, they work great. I mean, they work phenomenal for keeping mosquitoes away. I ran my mine over. We have mosquitoes really bad in our yard, and I ran mine over on accident. I was like working cleaning a car or something, and uh, so I had to get a new one. So what? Amazon has cheap ones, but they're white. That's the one I got. It's well, white. It's well Amazon. worth the money. They're nineteen bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, for what they are, it's well worth sure. the money. Yeah. And, and, and the the real takeaway from that to me is wherever that scent's going from the thermosel, if you're using it right and it's it's at your feet or under you, whatever, wherever the scent from that's going, your scent's going too. Yeah. So I agree. Um, next one, shooting a doe with fawns. I don't know. That's one of those things. Um, shoot I them. say shoot them. Shoot them. Yeah. I mean, if it's if season's in, the fawns can survive. Fawns are going to survive, and like especially in our area, it, I feel like for herd health, it's more important important to shoot does than well, I'll be to on, not. I'll be hundred so. percent honest with you on this. If I can confirm that what the the fawn is, what the yearling is, like if I have time to pull my binoculars up and I don't see little buttons, I'm probably shooting that one. That's yeah. just me. <laughs> 
No, it, it, it's something that, that a, a lot of people talk about early season, but you don't hear people have that discussion in late muzzleloader. You know, they're shooting the same fawns yeah. or, or, you know, the doe they is the same fawns. They just don't look like fawns But it, it looks different because of the winter coat. So, yeah, they look, yeah. Uh, it, so often there you kind of get in the weeds of how it makes you feel. And if you don't want to shoot them, don't shoot them. But it, I don't think from a biological standpoint there's any, uh, there's much, you know, evidence that it's going to, you know, the fawns won't survive. I'm going to run through a couple more here. Uh, would you shoot an albino deer? I would smack that bad boy. It's in range. I actually yeah. saw a piebald this year. Um, and would you shoot it? Yeah, but the landowner specifically said, don't shoot the white deer. So, Well. I didn't yeah, well, because, I mean, obviously, you got to do what the landowner yeah. wants. But normally, yeah, I would. Um, but it was really interesting because I had a... I, I guess it was her fawn coming first, and, I, like, I could see that deer, but then as soon as that white started funneling through, I mean, I knew it immediately. Oh, that's that piebald deer. I mean, yeah. how easily it was to spot this deer was pretty incredible. I mean, that makes so, no difference on the herd. I mean, I would, I would shoot on an RB, but yeah. that's just me. Uh, mechanical or fixed blade? Fixed blade. Both. I shoot mechanical. If I was you, I'd probably shoot fixed blade. Yeah, so... I, I, like, I like fixed blade more. I like the cut on contact. I like... Really, the fixed blade broadheads that are one solid piece, like the Montec G5s, mm-hmm. something that's created from one piece of metal, is, are probably my favorite, but I like the consistent flight pattern of a mechanical. So the reason I'm saying fixed blade is because of my poundage mm-hmm. and draw length uh, and just my overall energy. Um, it's important for as soon as I hit a deer for that broadhead to be working immediately. Yeah. Nothing as If you're shooting a mechanical, you're taking energy away when that, that broadhead has to open up. And yeah. So I'm just eliminating that's, that. That's part of it. But but a big thing I think a lot of people is lost on people too is you got to look at most mechanicals. You're looking at inch and a half, inch and three quarter, two inch cutting diameter. Yeah. You're shoving a much larger hole through yeah. that animal. And that's that can be as much, if not more, yeah. you know, the, the penetration loss. So Yeah, like the G5s that I was talking about are like one and one eighth inch right. cut. Whereas the broadheads I'm shooting right now are two inch three blade. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot more cut. I think the first year I shot with my bow, we were together. Remember that years uh, ago? Yeah, I think it was with a rage, if I remember right. Yeah, and it was a fawn and I didn't get a pass through. Right? A lot of that has to do with did. a lot of it has to do with what you hit too though. Because you can hit a, a rib or two and that changes everything. Yeah. Did I? I can't remember. It's been a while ago. Uh it depends on your situation. If you got a, you know, if you got a, a low energy, light poundage situation, short draw length, uh, you know, any number of things. For me, if I'm carrying a buck tag in my pocket and I'm hunting, I mean, I, if you look at my quiver anytime, it's kind of like a yard sale. There's kind of there, there'll be mechanicals in there, there'll be fixed blades yeah. in there. Uh, I shoot, you know, helical feather fletching that's really going to steer and control them. They all fly to the same spot. Uh, but if I've got a buck tag in my pocket and it's early November, I, there's a fixed blade broadhead on my in my arrow, just yeah. from a penetration standpoint, yeah. you know, with a with a bigger animal, uh, goofy angles, things happen. Uh, I like getting that little bit of extra penetration with a, a fixed blade on, on something bigger. But but I mean, there's definitely advantages to uh, mechanical too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the flight, uh, if it's a high, you know, shooting a crosswind, high wind day. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, it seem like we harp on this, but but shot placement. Yeah. If if you know, you can you can shoot a, a a fixed blade, but if you don't shoot them well and you're having you know grouping issues and everything, nothing's going to take the place of you shooting that deer where you want to hit it. So if that means screwing on a mechanical and hitting it where you're pointing it, yeah, I would yeah. lean towards that. It's or really just switch your fixed blade. I mean, I've there was 
fixed blades that I shot for years out of my old bow that I absolutely loved. And for some reason, they didn't shoot well out of this bow. So mm -hmm. I just switched. Yeah. So. Shoot them and find out. That'll, yeah. That'll be what I tell you. Yeah. I like, I mean, like I said, it's really shot placement. I agree with you. Uh, how close to other people's, how, how close to the property line can you hang a stand? So if you got your buddy hunting this farm over here, some guy you don't know hunting this farm over here, you put it right on the tree line, you try to, I don't know. It would really depend on the situation. Yeah. I, would, I would tend to avoid it if all possible, but there's also scenarios that like say like a, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, say it's, it's field on both sides and an old nasty fence row is the property line. You know, I wouldn't hesitate to put a stand there, face yeah. my field if that's where I need to hunt. You in know? my opinion, I'm playing my best setup for hunting a deer. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I'd probably go with the, the fence line if uh, if that gave me the best opportunity to take a deer on my side. Yeah. So that's what I would do. Um, let's see. I have a note here. Roger LaPointe gave me several things. So I'm not sure how this is going to go, but I'm just going to open it up. <laughs> see what Roger had to say. Oh, I've also got this thing I screenshot earlier. I thought it was funny. That's not it. Okay, should she be allowed to film him? I don't understand. That was what we talked. We were talking about earlier. Hunting together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We we talked about that. Yeah. Uh, what snacks are acceptable? For, all snacks. All snacks are acceptable. So Scott gets aggravated with me because I. Did you take a Doritos bag of Cool Ranch Doritos in the stand with you? Uh, I take everything. <laughs> and I don't take anything. I don't take water. Like I don't take water. I don't take snacks. It's I'll just not water. my thing. When I went last, when we hunted last weekend. I had two bottles of water, um, which I drank both in the stand, and I had fruit snacks and... A laundry list of things. Granola bar. Oh. I eat a lot. I uh, see. What I do is I take my bottle of water in the stand with me, right? And then I'll, I'll be drinking my bottle of water, and then when I have to... I feel like I'm having to start, like, having to pee, I'll chug the rest of my water and use that bottle. So <laughs> I have to, like... Uh, time my how fast i drink it to how bad i got a pee down pretty good uh this one seems a little bit sexist to me it says who makes the sandwiches oh, that's that's an inside joke yeah. okay yeah <laughs> uh but uh that's that's just an inside joke he's just messing with me skip that uh how long does she have to wait for him to get out of the tree before she has to go look for him so that's that's a good thing just to talk about uh we have like this just deal because you know sometimes he'll hunt a public ground public ground and not be on private or vice versa or we're not hunting the same area together um so if we're not going in together we screenshot a pin location of where we are and send that to one another and then we know that like after last shooting light you have two hours and if you're not home or you haven't heard from them yeah then search party starts that's kind of what we and, and you know you don't always have signal but but if i'm able to do it and, and most times when i go hunting i don't know like Exactly. I'll be driving doing. there. I have no idea where I'm going. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking about it as, as I go. So uh, once I sort that out and I get where I'm going, if I'm able to, I'll send her a screenshot of where I'm at. And we just sort of develop the the, the two hour after sunset rule that if, you know. Yeah. But I think a, it's a good rule to have because both of us have been in trouble before. And yeah, because if you, if, you, if you said, well, it's going to be eight o'clock. Well, that's changing as the season. You know, we've got a yeah. five month bow season. It sure. changes as the season goes on. Changes so. a lot. Yeah. Uh, so. Two hours after sunset could be 11.30 or it could be 7.30. Sure. Depending on sure. what time you're so we, we, we just enacted the two-hour rule, and that's kind of worked for us. Mm -hmm. It's um, important to know, have somebody know where you are anyways. So I'll tell you what. I'm not sure i got anything else question-wise here. I feel like we've covered a lot. Is there anything that you guys wanted to talk about before we cut her off? 
No, you good? Get in the woods. First, yeah. first cold weather. Yeah. It's yeah, great it's weather be good. out there. If so. you have a buck tag and you're not hunting right now, I'm mad at you. <laughs> Chase okay. is mad at you. Yeah, me. I'm mad at you because I want, I want that tag and yeah. I want to be back out Get there. Get out there and enjoy yourself. And... I think this this morning was the first time I left the thermosel in the truck. Talking about thermosel, this is the first hunt all year that I didn't take it. So Oh, it's probably heaven out there. Yeah. I It's 40-something degrees. Mosquitoes don't fly under 55, I believe. I think 55 is pretty much the limit for flying insects. 55 and below, they aren't out there. 55 and above they are. That's what I learned in forensics because of flies and Mm -hmm. decomposition and stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah. So 55 and below is what you want. Yes. And you need to be in the woods and enjoy yourself and have fun and be safe and shoot what makes you happy. If you're like me and you've already tagged out, uh, you, well, congratulations. And there's a trophy deer hunt. Plug that one more time. Yeah. So uh, Shaker Village Trophy Deer Hunt, um, it is the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife Foundation is putting this together with Shaker Village. Um, fifteen dollars. I'm sorry, twenty five dollars for one ticket, a uh, hundred dollars for six, or fifteen tickets are two fifty. I totally butchered that big time. Those can be um, divided up among people. Yeah, so you can share it with a friend or buy it for your friends or your husband or your wife or whatever. Uh, if you if you purchase the two hundred fifty dollar package, um, you get a print by Rakil. And the first 50 people uh, will get uh, your membership for Onyx Maps Elite. That's a $100 value. Yeah. And a really cool um, app that Scott and I both use a lot. Yeah. Uh, Onyx, that's the one thing. Yeah. We've been using Onyx for the last year or so. Yeah. And really sweet. It's a great time waster. <laughs> I don't personally have it, but I mooch off of Brooks. Brooks has it. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, he's got new properties on it this year using it. I think you've got yeah. new properties. Yeah, I did so, too. I mean, for 100 bucks, I might get you a place to hunt. That's yeah. pretty good. Well, and, like, just private land you know to know where you're supposed to be and stuff anyways uh i like it personally um but this trophy deer hunt you can go to kentuckywildlife.com and uh oh new this year um kentucky gun company uh sponsored uh you're gonna get uh well the winner is gonna get um a thompson center 30 odd six with a vortex scope on it so That'd be a good one. Good package. It is a bonus buck tag, a trophy deer hunt at Shaker Village, a two-night, meals included, stay at Shaker Village For while two you people. hunt, and a gun with a scope, and a deer mount from Gunner's Taxidermy. Yeah. Do you have to use the tag? At, on that hunt only, or can it, is that good for the rest of the year? That, that tag is good for the rest of the year. So say you won, and uh, you, you and your wife wanted, or you and your husband wanted to go stay at Shaker Village, but you decided you had your, another property you wanted to hunt, you could take that tag r- with you wherever you went. Really? I thought it had to be used there. I thought mm-hmm. on that hunt. Nope. Hmm, that's interesting. It's a yeah. state, uh, extra statewide buck yeah, tag. Yeah, it's an extra year. statewide buck tag. Um, I would tell you to use it at Shaker Village. Yeah, there's really <laughs> But good you don't deer. have to. You, there's really nice deer out there. It might be crazy if you don't. Yeah. Um, we I just posted on our Instagram page, uh, Kentucky Fish and Wildlife Foundation, a picture that uh, the the land manager out there, Ben, sent yeah. me of that buck. Did you see it? No, he just I haven't took seen it. it yet. He just took it. It was like just standing there. I haven't seen it yet. I did, and I've seen the stuff you posted from our shed hunt also. Yeah. Which is uh, all good stuff. I'm going to look that up. It was a nice deer. What's your Instagram? Kentucky Fish and Wildlife Foundation? Uh, uh, hang on a second. It's KY wildlife. Fish and Wildlife Foundation. Yeah. That's KY Fish and Wildlife Foundation. KY Fish and Wildlife Foundation. You can see the deer. Um, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. See, he's like, he just stood there. He wouldn't leave. So they took a bunch of pictures of him. And... He wouldn't leave. Yeah. That's mm. what I'm talking about. Well, so. I'll tell you what, I appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It's been yeah, good. It I'm going to go out here. I'm going to get a Scott with or a picture with Scott and Rachel. And Scott's get up here. I'm kind of jealous. I wish I could pull that look off. 
Uh, get old and get married, you won't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on, guys. Oh, it's something I want to add. Yeah, uh, here, one thing here. I did want to say. We were walking in here, walking in the building, and uh, I've been hearing some rumblings out there, but I'm disappointed our lawnmower guy didn't come visit Oh, us. yeah. I, what the I'm heck? an avid listener to the podcast myself, and uh, I'll notice when we walked across the parking lot, he was doing like 90 mile an hour this way. Yeah. And we you didn't know, hear him. So. That's because Lee wasn't, didn't walk in. <laughs> okay. he, I guess he looks for Lee walking out from the <laughs> building, and when he sees Lee, he decides to fire that bad boy up. <laughs> It's, it's kind of become yeah. a, a pretty funny yeah. uh, special guest. It's, it seems like every single time we do one, this guy's mowing uh, that window right there. Like, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, today today he left us alone. That's awesome. It's wild. I don't know how it works out so perfectly. But, yeah, he, he must look for Lee and scout Lee out. Gotcha. All right. Thanks for coming on, guys. It's been fun. Thank, Thank you. you.